Hello and welcome, it's me, Damien Barr, bringing you another book of the week here on the Literary Salon podcast. Thank you for being with us, it's very nice to see you. Not that I can see you. If you could see me, you would see that I've just had my hair cut, maybe a little bit too close. Anyway, our book of the week this week, you didn't need to know about my hair, did you? Our book of the week this week is a piece of historical fiction. You know that we love historical fiction here at Salon. And this is by best-selling author Sally Gardner, who I once met at a literary festival and she was lovely. She has written critically acclaimed children's books, including the prize-winning, much-beloved Maggot Moon and I, Coriander. She's also written adult books under the pseudonym of Ray Delaney, including An Almond for a Parrot. In all of her writing, whether it's for children or adults, you can expect a hint or more of magic. And her new novel, The Weather Woman, is no exception. Love that title. Now, this is an atmospheric book, pun intended, that will immerse you in Regency London, one of my favourite periods. Um, We follow a girl named Neva who possesses the ability to accurately predict the weather. In many ways, Neva is a woman ahead of her time. She refuses to be bound by the expectations of her gender. Now, luckily for her, her adoptive father is a clockmaker and tinkerer who produces magnificent automatons, including a mechanical woman that will preserve Neva's anonymity as she predicts the weather in public forums. But is it enough for Neva to be the woman behind the machine? She ends up crafting an alter ego for herself in Eugene, where, dressed as a man, she can move freely among learned men and have her own voice. You're going to love this story. Here is Sally with a reading from The Weather Woman. Hello, I'm Sally Gardner, and I'm thrilled to be reading from my new book, The Weather Woman. The extract I'm reading from is where the central character, Neva, realises that if she is going to play a part of a man, she needs a better disguise. I came up with the idea of the weather woman quite some time ago, and it's been sort of rattling around in my head. I wanted to bookend the story with two ice fairs, one happening in 1789 and the other in 1813-1814. For an ice fair to take place in London, the river had to freeze almost solid from London Bridge to Blackfriars. And in fact, I went on the Thames just to have a look at the amount of water that would need to go solid. And it is quite phenomenal. And I think ice is a very good metaphor for transformation and change and for the building of dreams. Every ice fair that happens in London always ends in disaster where people cannot believe that the ice will go and isn't solid. And I feel that is very much reflected in Neva's transformation. And so this part that I'm reading is to do with her transformation. Looking back, Neva tries to remember the beginning of Eugene Jonas. The moment her imaginary friend, the cloud walker, came down to earth, wearing tall boots of gravity. In the tangle of years that have tied Eugene and Neva together, 
it's hard to recall how the corporal Eugene Jonas had started, innocently enough, with our wish to learn to row. It was during those lessons with Mr Cutter that he began to take on human form. Until then, he had been a figment of her imagination. Neva soon found in this role of freedom that no young lady would ever be granted in polite society. Now, at the age of 22, Neva has been playing the part long enough to do it with confidence. Eugene Jonas lives in the wardrobe. He comes to life with the tying of the cravat, the buttoning of the waistcoat, the tilt of the hat. Eugene is everything Neva isn't. No matter how hard she tries, and she does try, Neva is taken no more seriously than a cut-out character from a toy theatre. She is looked down on by ladies of high society for her lack of breeding and looked up to by young gentlemen with fantastical notions of marriage. She is rarely asked an intelligent question about the weather woman. But Eugene Jonas is seen as having a brilliant mind and his witty observations on life and people are not to be missed. Slowly, and imperceptibly, she has divided herself into two distinctively separate people. She worries occasionally that she is losing sight of who she really is, and that Neva Friesland is becoming invisible. But playing the part of a young man is a stimulant that fills her with excitement, a dancer on the edge. At any moment she might be discovered for who she is, and here she stops. For who is she? She knows more about Eugene than she does about Neva. No one tells Eugene Jonas his ideas are far-fetched, his notions on the weather fantastical. No lecture hall bars him, quite the reverse. He and his myriad of questions are welcomed. No dinner club turns him away on the grounds that ladies are not allowed. Debates on natural science greet him with open doors. But all this, Neva knows, comes at a price. It is too early to go downstairs. She puts on her dressing gown and looks out across the garden to the river. Night now has sung a languid goodbye to the moon. Silhouetted in the breaking dawn, light are a multitude of ships of various build and rigging. Sailing barges, brigs of war, fishing smacks, schooners, slopped-rigged barges, oyster boats and luggers. The river never sleeps. Neva could sit here in this moment forever on the cusp of a changing tide. She thinks of the time before Eugene Jonas became what he is today. She was 19 and the role she was playing demanded a better disguise. And it was with this in mind that on a foggy grey morning in March, Mr Cutter had taken Neva downriver to an inn in Deptford. Why are we going there? asked Neva. Deptford was known as a place of a hundred inns, taverns and public houses. Sailors, shipbuilders, captains, lieutenants were able to frequent an establishment to suit their sensibilities. In short, the class divide was maintained the status quo undisrupted. The sight of the crooked ship brought back distant memories to Neva, fragments of the night the inn at Rotherhide crashed into the river. Doesn't look safe, 
said Neva. Mr Cutter laughed. Mr James built it that way, so that when his customers are drunk, they think themselves sober and the world level. It's still not safe, said Neva. Why are we here? To meet Mr James, said Mr Cutter. Is there a particular reason for this? Yes, Mr James runs the crooked ship and is a barber on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Now hurry up and come ashore, or the boat will sink with the weight of your questions. The bar had the smell of beer and tobacco, mingled with the iron scent of the Thames. The floor had just been scrubbed, and a large man, with a fine beard and bushy eyebrows, was putting down fresh sawdust. Good morning to you, Mr James, said Mr Cutter. Mr James straightened up. He had a ruddy complexion and never imagined he had spent most of his working life at sea. This is Eugene Jonas, said Mr Cutter. Neither was still none the wiser, but it was apparent Mr James knew the reason for this visit. He put down the bucket of sawdust and stood there, legs akimbo, arms folded. He studied Neva as if she was a specimen in a museum, and occasionally he tutted the tutting showing his two gold teeth. Hmm, he said at last. She looks exactly what she is, a girl dressed as a lad. So you want to pass as a young gentleman, do you? Take off your hat. Neva hissed at Mr Cutter. Why did you tell him? Mr James cleared his throat. I said, take off your hat. Neva's lush curly hair tumbles down her back. As she went to put her hat back on, Mr James said, No, I haven't finished. Finished what? said Neva, irritated, that Mr Cutter of all people should have spoken of her as a girl. Mr James walked slowly round her, ignoring her outbursts. He then took a deep breath and said, I don't like to disappoint Mr Cutter, as you well know but it would be wrong to encourage expectations that cannot be met. To be honest, I think there's very little hope of this project of yours succeeding. For a start, we are dealing with a young lady who is beautiful, and beauty cannot be covered up by whiskers and a wig. I wish you luck, and I bid you good day. Wait, said Neva. You haven't asked me what kind of young man I want to be. A good point, a good point. All right. What kind of young man are you? I'm too slight a build to be considered manly. I'm too clever to be seen as incompetent. I can't boast a beard like yours, but I don't want to. I'm eccentric. I think I could pass as a young dandy. I can fight, fire a pistol. I don't gamble. But I'll have a game of chess with you. And if you're fool enough to bet on the outcome... That's your loss. I win every time. The knight is the most unexpected of all the pieces on the chessboard. It's the one that wrongfoots nearly everyone. If I had a tailor, he'd be interested in my designs. I like to have a pinched-in waist, baggy pantaloons, a high collar for my frock coat. I don't wear hunting boots. I don't ride, but I like rowing. Do you like women? asked Mr James. No, I much prefer men. 
but on the whole, if asked, I would say I like my own company best of all, and that of Papa, Auntie and Cassie, and of course Mr Cutter when he isn't giving away secrets. And how would you look the part? asked Mr James. First my face, said Neva. I want blue-tinted spectacles. Why? asked Mr James. Light hurts my eyes and gives me headaches. What would you have in your pockets? A fob watch, which is elaborate to say the least, and phenomenally expensive. I carry snuff on me for other people's pleasure, but I really do not enjoy sneezing that much. A handkerchief. Mr James said nothing, but in the silence came a voice. Charlie? A woman appeared at the foot of the narrow staircase. Oh, she said, seeing Neva. So she's the young lad. I'm Rose, Mr James's wife. What do you think, sweetheart? said Mr James. <laughs> I think you have your work cut out, my love. She put her arm round Mr James's waist and kissed him on the cheek. Don't be too hard on the girl. Remember, we all started somewhere. Can I get you a beer, Mr Cutter? Let's leave now, said Neva, pulling at Mr Cutter. Now you've told everybody there is no point in... The lump of rage in her throat choked her. What do you think Mr James is? asked Rose. I don't know. It's not my concern, a bar attendant. I want to leave. Mr James is a woman, said Rose. All Neva's fury melted away. She stared at Mr James. It's our secret, said Rose. That's the way we wish to keep it. Put it this way, your secret is safe with us because our secret is safe with you and Mr Cutter. Charlie was born into the wrong sex. He's the love of my life. We've been married 15 years. Mr James laughed. <laughs> that stumped you, hasn't it? Neva nodded. Well, we better get started. Started on what? asked Neva knowing it was a foolish question. Learning to be a gentleman, said Mr James, and he told Mr Cutter to return at three o'clock when the inn opened for business. Anxious at the departure of Mr Cutter, Neva found a piece of skin on her finger and pulled at it. You must stop that, said Rose. You'll give the game away. Now to work, said Mr James. Do you know what's between a man's legs? No said Neva, blushing. Well, you have to know, says Rose. This is what you're going to wear every time you come here. What is it? asked Neva. A penis and balls made out of calico, said Rose. I made it specially for you. It's weighted with beans. She strapped it round Neva. No one can walk with that dangling between his legs, said Neva. Rose laughed. <laughs> it doesn't just dangle, she said and quietly explained, with no embarrassment, exactly what a penis does. Neva screwed up her face. Sounds messy, was her conclusion, but the appendage altered the way she walked. For the next three months on Mondays and Wednesdays, Neva learnt to lower her voice, to walk with a stride, to carry herself with attitude of a young gentleman. 
In the meantime, Cassie ordered clothes to her own designs, made shirts and cravats, purchased shoes, and all was assembled at the crooked ship. On the final day of Neva's lessons, Mr Cutter, who hadn't seen anything of her progress, sat sipping a beer, waiting for her to appear. In a neat back parlour, the final part of Neva's transformation was taking place. Mr James cut off Neva's pigtail, wrapping it carefully for a wig maker to use to make a hairpiece that she would need as Neva. I thought I'd give you a cherubin, said Mr James. All these curls will make you look the height of fashion. Now Neva no longer saw herself in the mirror. She saw Eugene Jonas smiling back at her as the scissors snipped away. She thought, this is why men have so many thoughts in their head. They're not encumbered with the weight of hair that needs daily attention. When Mr James had finished, Rose helped Eugene to dress, leaving him to tie his own cravat. Now, said Mr James, go out the back way, come in and introduce yourself to Mr Cutter. Neva didn't feel she was acting as she walked into the bar. She knew she was not Neva. She was Eugene Jonas. Mr Cutter nearly spat out his beer. Before him, wearing small blue lens spectacles, stood a striking dandy. Ooh, I love a twist, especially when it involves the kindness of an underground group of gender non-conforming innkeepers. What is not to love about that? That was Sally Gardner reading exclusively for The Salon. Her new book, The Weather Woman, is published by Apollo, an imprint of Head of Zeus, and is available now in all good bookshops as ever. Find your local indie if you've got one and go there. We're going to be running a giveaway for a free copy of this book on our Instagram, so follow us there and keep an eye out for your chance to win. Thank you for listening and join us again soon.